Likuti Sicha is Chelik Yutes, Volume 19, the fourth Sicha for Parshas Devarim. This Sicha is based on a Medrash, which also appears in the Rashi on the Pasuk. In this Sicha, we're going to cover some very fundamental ideas, uh, crucial to, you know, what it's all about, if I may. For example, we'll learn to appreciate what is really the, truly the objective uh, in, in what Hashem wants from us in the performance of mitzvahs. Also, we're going to learn what is the proper way for one to bring blessings on oneself. Also, we'll learn to appreciate the connection between the finite and the infinite as it comes to us Jews, whether it's in the observance of mitzvah, in the receiving of blessings, and so on. And also the difference between a bracha and a tefillah, a blessing and a prayer. So on the Pasuk, in chapter 1, Verse 11, it says, Moshe is speaking to the people and he says, Hashem Elokei Aviseichem, Hashem the God of your, of your ancestors, Yosef Aleichem Kochem, he will add to you like this, so in, in, meaning in this measure, Elef Pa'amim, a thousand times over. And then he continues and he says, V'yivarech Eschem, and he will bless you, Ka'asher Dibelechem, as he had spoken to you. So really he's saying two things here. So the Medrash comments on this and says, the Jewish people said to Moshe, when he said, I will bless you a thousand times, I bless you a thousand times over, and he, they said to him, our master Moshe, our teacher, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem himself did not give any kitzvah, any cap, any limit to his blessings. And you're saying a thousand times over? So Moshe answered to them, what I am blessing you, that is Misheli, that's for me, that's for mine. However, when Hashem will come, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu will come, He will bless you, quote, as He had spoken to you. So, of course, the question, the obvious question that's asked here is, since HaKadosh Baruch Hu, since the Hashem's blessing has no kitzvah, has no cap, has no limit, then what at all does the blessing of Moshe add? In other words, why is it any more necessary? What is Moshe adding in his blessing, if Hashem's blessing himself is basically limitless, so what is the limited blessing answer, you know, adding to anything? As you know, the famous expression of the Talmud, when you have 200, in the 200 is certainly included 100. So what's the point in saying 200, half of it is 100? Obviously it's included, it's there already. So there are some commentaries that answer that you see HaKadosh Baruch Hu's blessing, Hashem's blessing is stipulated with the Jewish people performing the Torah and mitzvahs. However, the, Moshe, the blessing of Moshe, what Moshe was blessing them is that regardless of their diligence and performance of Torah and mitzvahs, Hashem should always bless them. And this actually is similar, is parallel to what the Gemara says on the explanation of another very curious verse in one of the prophets, namely in Hosea chapter 2, verse 1. Where it says over there, and we actually read it in one of the half Torahs. We say over there, he says over there, the prophet, that the number of the Jewish people, meaning the count of the Jews, will be like the sand at the edge of the sea, which Asher suffer, that it will not be, it would not be measured and will not be counted. So, of course, the question is: first, here you say there is a count. There is a limit, there is a number, and then you say, there is no number. So, what is it? 
So the Talmud says on this, the Gemara comments on this and says that this, meaning one, is one instance, one part of the verse, is talking about a time in an era when the Jews are doing, quote, they're doing the will of Hashem, meaning they are performing Torah and mitzvahs properly. And in the other time when it says that there will be a number is when the Jewish people are not necessarily doing the, quote, they're not doing the will of Hashem. So perhaps this can also be parallel to here, can apply to here. Or the Rebbe says, perhaps you can look at it a different way, that what Moshe was blessing them is, quote, in our times, that in our times there is a blessing, but it's with somewhat of a limit, the blessing of Moshe. And in the ultimate times, when Mashiach comes, then there will be the ultimate blessing will be limitless, totally infinite, the blessing of Hashem himself. That seems to be the explanation of these commentaries. However, the Rebbe says that this is still difficult here because from the from the language of the Medrash, from the style, the way the Medrash presents it, it seems to be making no distinction between one era and another, between one kind of um, behavior of the Jews in another. Rather, it seems to be applying it equally at the same time that there is, quote, a number, meaning the blessing of Moshe, a limit, a limited blessing, so to speak, and then there is at the same time, simultaneously, there is also, quote, the blessing of Hashem, which has no limit. So the question is, then back to the question, what is it exactly? What is going on? And the Rebbe adds that also from the way Rashi brings it, the way Rashi quotes the Medrash, it also seems to be implying that Rashi holds that these two types of blessings, the blessing of Moshe, which is finite, which is limited, even though it's a thousand times, but it's still a limit, and the blessing of Hashem, which is infinite, unlimited, seems to be appearing and coming together at the same time. And in the same, the same says the Rebbe, could be also asked or could be applied to that verse which we brought from which the, from the Talmud, from the Gemara, the explanation of the Talmud, the verse from Hosea, which again, if you look simply at the verse, it seems to be talking about the same time. So the Rebbe says that this Pasuk, there is also another Medrash, which will give us a little more insight and help us to put this all together. The Medrash on the word Yosef Hashem, Aleichem, Elef, Pa'amim, Kacha. That when, when Moshe said to them, Hashem should add, why did he use this expression, he should add? He should have said, Hashem should bless you a thousand times over. Why is he saying he should add to you? So the, 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 the Medrash explains that what Moshe was implying, quote, that what Moshe was saying to them is that Hashem should give his addition which, quote, the addition of Hashem is more than the main thing or the original thing itself, the Iker, the principle. So the question is, if there isn't, quote, an addition of Hashem, which is infinite, which is limitless, and you're saying it so many times over, and so many times greater than the, quote, than the Iker, than the principle, than the main thing, then how do we continue calling it the ikar, the main thing. In other words, once it becomes overwhelmed by the amount of blessing that comes from Hashem, then it seems to be now secondary, not the main thing. In other words, how does it still uh, call, how does it still go by the name, by the title, ikar, 
In other in the wording, it says Toisaftoi Miruba Ala Ikar. That Hashem's Toisefes, his addition of blessing, is more than the Ikar, than the, than the main part of the blessing, than the main thing itself. Well, it's no longer the main thing if the Toisefes is overwhelmingly more because it kind of dilutes it and kind of makes it almost like not. It's not, it's Mevatalit. So the Rebbe explains we'll take a closer look at what we mentioned above. The difference between, quote, they do the will of Hashem or not doing the will of Hashem and we'll get a better insight and appreciation of what's going on over here. You see, in general, how do we get blessings? Blessings come as a result of the performance of the mitzvahs, of avoda of the Bnei Yisrael, our service to Hashem. So we understand that what when a person does avoda, but he's doing it in somewhat of a limited fashion, then what is the result? What is the blessing that comes as a result of that? It's triggered by that. A limited blessing, a blessing with a number, right? Like we said before, a mispar, a number. As it says in the prophet, there will be the number of the Jewish people. Now, what does it mean that you don't do the will of Hashem? How can you be performing mitzvahs? How can you do avodah, service of Hashem, and yet you have not succeeded in quote, making the will of Hashem, in doing exactly the Ratzon, the true will of Hashem. So a good example for it would be right in the beginning of the Torah, we have the story with Cain. Cain versus Hevel. Cain was the one who initiated bringing a carbon to Hashem. However, when he brought a carbon, which lacked the, the integrity that a carbon should be, when he offered a sacrifice and it wasn't from the best, it was a very meager animal that is he that basically resulted in him being less than his brother Hevel excuse me his brother Hevel who even though he was the one to do the Havoida and to initiate it but he quote did not do the Ratzon of Hashem he did not reach the true will of Hashem why because he didn't do it in a limitless manner he didn't do it in the best way possible and since when Havoida is done with a limit Therefore, the resulting bless you, you don't actually draw down the true essence of the will of Hashem. And in fact, the Rebbe says we can find a, a, an interesting parallel to this in the teachings of the Alter Rebbe. Where the Alter Rebbe gives us a, 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 an example, a distinction between, quote, doing the will of Hashem and not doing the will of Hashem. Which again, we're talking about people who are performing Torah mitzvahs. But what is the distinction? What is the difference? So the Alter Rebbe says, when one is doing mitzvahs in an ordinary manner, meaning one is performing Torah mitzvahs, going, so to speak, on the straight and narrow, that is associated with not doing the will of Hashem. Why? Because the will of Hashem comes from the essence of Hashem. It comes from an infinite place. And mitzvahs inherently have a limitation. In fact, the Torah itself tells us what is the nature of mitzvahs? Do not add to it. Do not subtract for it. There is only 613 mitzvahs. There's a number. It starts somewhere. It ends somewhere. In other words, mitzvahs, the way they manifest in this world, the way they were given to us, they have an inherent limitation. They have a number, so to speak, by nature. That is mitzvahs in general, says the Alter Rebbe. And that's associated with, quote, not doing the Ratzon of Hashem, not reaching the highest point of the essence of Hashem. However, when one does the mitzvah of tshuva, tshuva is something which surpasses any limitation. Tshuva is something which it transforms everything. And it's something which is 
beyond any whatsoever limitation. In fact, it can even change the past. It can even, so to speak, reconfigure things that already happened and change them from bad to good. That is where one is one reaches a point where they're able to, so to speak, reach the will of Hashem and do the will of Hashem, meaning actually connect to it. Now the Rebbe says in truth, the truth is that all mitzvahs inherently are connected to this idea of infinite, no number. In other words, the idea that we just said is true if we break it down. But in general terms, if you think about it, a mitzvah is the will of Hashem. And since a mitzvah is the will of Hashem, it inherently is connected to the infinite. So what is then the idea of, you know, of, of, of the mitzvahs being limited or not being limited? So the idea is as follows. When a Jew does a mitzvah, you do it in a physical material, with a physical material thing, you're, you're drawing down the will of Hashem. You're, you're, you're bringing down Hashem's will into the world. However, when you're doing the mitzvah in a mode of limitation, then you don't recognize, you don't appreciate the infinity that's inherently there, but it's somewhat perhaps hidden in that mitzvah that you're doing. However, when someone does a mitzvah in a manner that it's visible, it's obvious that there is an infinity essence to it, that there is a, 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 an approach of limitless um, a devotion, then one can actually even see, so to speak, appreciate the bleak vul, the infinity that's there inherently in every mitzvah. In other words, it comes out. So the idea is as follows. When you do an ordinary mitzvah in an ordinary manner, not like something like tshuva, which is extraordinary, so there is an inherent, so to speak, concealment. There is an inherent contraction of that element of infinity that comes from Hashem. As we said, just to, to, just to recap, every mitzvah inherently comes from Hashem. Every mitzvah comes, therefore, from this point of beligvul, from the will of Hashem. However, the way the mitzvahs manifest themselves down here, the way we have the mitzvahs, they come in a manner where Hashem, so to speak, contracted himself and he, he, he channeled his will through means of limited you know, finite things, finite aspects or finite places or finite times as the case in every mitzvah. And therefore, when one performs a mitzvah, you don't necessarily see this power of infinity that's in there. However, this contraction, this concealment of that infinite power of Hashem that's in every mitzvah is not really a true concealment. In other words, what is usually a true concealment? When you have two ages, you have an object, and it's trying to, so let's say you have a light, and you take it and you block it with something that's thick and, and, and dark, and therefore it overwhelms, it or overpowers, I should say, the ability of the light to shine forth, and therefore you don't see the light. But when you have the mitzvahs, which come from Hashem, and Hashem contracted himself, Therefore, the mitzvah itself is not a real concealment 
or the physical thing with which we do the mitzvah is not a real concealment. It's not, so to speak, an outside agent which conceals on it, but rather it's Hashem Himself contracting Himself from within, in that mitzvah, in that object, and therefore you must say that, quote, in the number, in the limitation, in the finite idea of every mitzvah, there is inherently deep down in it the infinite, it's just that we just can't see it. We just can't see it. So the question is, one minute, so if we're saying that everything really is coming from the infinite, it's just that Hashem chose that we should do it with finite things, and therefore the finite things, so to speak, block this power of infinity, and it only comes out when a person does mitzvahs in an extraordinary manner, like a mitzvah like tshuva, which transcends any limitation, the question is, why did Hashem do this? In other words, if the ultimate objective of mitzvahs is to reveal godliness into the world, is to bring the power of the infinite ratzin of Hashem, the will of Hashem into the world, then why did Hashem do it so that it's concealed? And that it goes through and it channels through finite, um, limited uh, uh, objectives such as the mitzvahs and the things with which we do the mitzvahs. Why did He do it this way? The answer is because... The ultimate objective is not to, so to, to, not to do away with, not to, so to speak, destroy the finite, not to destroy the Gashmias, but rather to take Gvul and Bligvul to have the finite and the infinite coupled together, fused together. In other words, the ultimate purpose what Hashem desired in the Torah and mitzvahs and in making the world is not that there should be a world and we should destroy it with the infinite light of Hashem, but rather to fuse together the finite and the infinite. And this, you know, an example for this, a good example, is we have in the in the Beis um, HaMikdash, it says, The place of the ark was not, so to speak, part of the measure. What does that mean? The ark had a very finite measurement. In fact, the Torah tells us exactly how big or small it has to be, exact measurements. And if it didn't have those measurements, it wouldn't be the ark, it wouldn't be a kosher ark. So it had those measurements. But yet, when one situated it exactly where it belonged in the Holy of Holies and would measure from the wall to the ark and then from the other side of the ark to the other wall, one would find that it's as if it's not there, it doesn't exist. It's not measuring up. It's not taking up any space. So that was the finite and the infinite coming together. And that's what Hashem desired by contracting Himself and putting Himself into the mitzvahs. So on the one hand, you don't see it. It seems like a finite thing. It's a misbar. It's a number, right? As it says, it will be the number of the B'nai Yisrael. It's something which is measured. It has a beginning. It has an end. That's the idea. That's the definition of a number. But at the same time, in it, because it's not a outside foreign agent that blocks the infinite power of Hashem, but rather it's Hashem who contracted Himself within it, so in it you have also the bligvul, you have the infinite. And this is similar to what is the blessing with Moshe. That even though there is a blessing of Hashem, and like we asked in the beginning, if you have Hashem's blessing, what's the purpose of Moshe's blessing? So you have the infinite blessing, so why then have the finite blessing of Moshe? The answer is no. At the same time you have the infinite, you also need to have the finite. That the, the blessing of Moshe does not become voided, does not become null, but rather at the same time, 
that you have the infinite power of blessing of Hashem, you have the Elef Pa'amim Kocha, you have Hashem, uh, you have the thousand times over that Moshe blessed them. And also, with this, says the Rebbe, we can also get an appreciation of something which the previous Rebbe, the Friedrich Rebbe, related in regards to how his father would emphasize or made a point to quote the following Medrash. There's a Medrash which describes why Hashem made the world. And the Medrash says, that Hashem had a desire to make for him a dira, a dwelling place, down here in the lower worlds. But the Rebbe Rashab would add, add the word Yizbarech. He would say, that it shall be to him, blessed he, a dwelling place down here. Now, of course, it's obvious that any time you mention Hashem's name, you also mention a words of praise. You say, blessed be he, or, or so on. But this cannot be the reason why the Rebbe Rashab made a point to emphasize to do this. Why? Because when quoting a Maimur Chazal, when quoting a passage from the sages, it's not common, it's just, it's very uncommon to add any whatsoever words, even words of praise for Hashem. And we don't find this by any, any of the other Rebbes. So the Rebbe says that what we explained until now, we'll understand now by taking a look at the word that he added. What did he add? Yizbarech, blessed be he. Now what is inherently a blessing? We know that there's blessing, there's bracha, and there's tefillah, there's prayer. A bracha, a blessing, draws down something that's already there, so to speak, in Hashem's will. It's already been allocated. It is for whatever reason it hasn't come down. A tefillah can create a new desire. And that's why we find typically what is the word of what is the expression that we use in a tefillah? Yehi ratzay, may it be the will of Hashem. In other words, I live to create a new will, to create something new, not from something that's already there, but something's new. So this is obviously by by us people, by us mortal beings, there's a difference, inherent difference between a blessing and a, and a prayer. But by Hashem, in the blessing itself. There's also the aspect of prayer, meaning by Hashem, He's not limited. So when Hashem gives us a quote, a blessing, and what is the word blessing? What does bracha mean? To draw down, to bring down. So in the word blessing, when Hashem brings down, there is also that power of tefillah, which we don't have. We have either bracha, either tefillah, but in Hashem's realm, there's obviously in the bracha this tefillah. And that's why the Rebbe Rashab would always add the word Yisbarich when quoting this Madrash. You see, because really you can ask the following question. What does the word Dira mean? What does it mean Hashem desire there should be a Dira? Dira is, means that a person's entire essence is there in a revealed manner. Think about it. That's what a dwelling place is. Your own private quarters is a place where you're fully there. You're not hiding yourself. You're totally comfortable. It's your place. And that's, that's an expression. Or well, that's a, a perhaps an indication of what Hashem wanted and his essence, Dira, his essence, his total essence, where he's totally comfortable, should be where? In the Tachtoinim, in the lower worlds. How is that possible? How can we fuse the two? How does Hashem make expect us, so to speak, to bring his essence, Dira, in the Tachtoinim, in the lower worlds, and bring him together? The answer is that when Hashem is Yisbarach, when Hashem is drawing down, in other words, Hashem is the one who gives us the ability to do it. Hashem is Yisbarech, He draws down. 
and he makes it possible. What does he make possible? To not only draw down, which is in a sense, an idea of gvul, of something limited, of something finite, but also, like we said, it's coupled with, because since it's coming from Hashem, it also has the power of prayer, something new, a new idea, a new entity, the infinite. By Because of that, we have the ability to bring Dira and Yisbarech together. But we need to understand, okay, so if Hashem gives us the ability to do it, then why are we needed here? In other words, how do we come into the picture? Why are the why is the Yid charged with bringing down godliness when anyway we wouldn't have the power to do so? It only comes from Hashem, so to speak. So then, where do we come in here? Why are we needed here? The answer is that Hashem did not want that the revelations that come from above should come in a way, in a manner, which is coined by the Zohar, Nam Odechsufa, shameful bread. In other words, as a free handout. He wanted us to have some skin in the game. He wanted us to have the pleasure of earning it. He wanted us to not just receive the revelations. Yes, it comes from him. The power for, for it comes from him. But he wanted us to have a little piece of the action, a little piece of this, and be able to enjoy it. Similar to the idea of a gift. The Gemara, in describing... What is the inherent quality of a gift? So really, a gift comes al das it, it, It's totally and absolutely dependent on the will and the desire of the one giving the gift. In other words, there is no earning a gift. A gift is given to you. In other words, it has absolutely everything to do with the person's desire to give you the gift. However, at the same time, the Gemara says, that even though it comes from the giver, however, if the recipient would, quote, not have caused the giver some kind of pleasantness of mind, meaning not done something to make that person happy, to make that person like them, then they would not have had that decision. They would not have made that choice to give him the gift. And that is similar to the idea over here that Hashem is giving us the ability, so to speak, to even though it's all coming from Him in a manner of a gift, the, ability, the, 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 the potential, the ability to accomplish all this feat is only coming from Hashem, but still Hashem gives us the ability to trigger it somewhat by us doing our Avodah. And that's why when it comes to the blessings, as we said before, that it depends on the Jews doing the Ratzin of Hashem, now we can understand. Yes, the blessing comes from Hashem. Yes, it's not dependent on us. But at the same time, Hashem set it up so that we, through our Avaidah, should somewhat earn the blessing. And therefore, when we do our Avaidah properly, we trigger a higher level of blessing. And now we could also understand why the expression was remember we asked if there's an addition of Hashem which is so much more than the Ikar, than the main blessing than the original blessing so why do we still call it Ikar? why is it still principal and now it's secondary the answer is that even though the Toisefes, the addition as we said comes from Hashem and that is overwhelmingly more and greater than what was there and what could ever be there However, why is it still, why is it coming? As we just said, because we are, Hashem gave us that, that, that ability and that necessity to trigger it. Since we are triggering it, since it's still coming somewhat from us, therefore it's called Ikar, because we are, while it's coming from Hashem, which is beyond us, we are also continuously causing it, so to speak, to continue coming to us.